Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Back to Back Vlog podcast with myself, Lindsay, and your other host, Sam. Awesome. Uh, so today's topic, we are going to talk about uh, retro games, playing them, how to play them, you know, a whole sort of just deep dive into playing older titles. Um, but first, uh, what did you play over the, the time between episodes? I played a fair amount of Tiny Tina's uh, Wonderlands until my friends and I found the beta for... Um, uh, this uh, the cycle frontier, which is like a kind of a um, escape from Tarkov, like survival shooter game, and that's what we've been playing. Cool, cool. Yeah, I um, I thought I was gonna play some Dead Space. Didn't really get back into that, <laughs> but I did go through and finish playing Grapple Dog. Um, the last couple episodes were uh, the last couple levels were pretty rough. I. I did have to turn on the like no no rough. die mode in the. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, I did have to turn on you know easy mode in the accessibility options just to to finish it. But I you know it was, game with it was easy mode. Oh my gosh! So yeah, the other game I played that I absolutely needed to, to easy mode to finish was Tunic, yeah. um, and like Tunic doesn't get like. Uh, I was starting to get like serious gamer thumb because of that game. And like, it's not like there isn't any challenge or any mystery. There's so much mystery. You know, you, if you, you don't have to struggle with the combat forever um, for it to be a compelling uh, game, like it's just full of secrets. So um, I'm really glad I finished Tunic. I'm glad that I played as much as I did with the challenging combat, but then I would not, I would have put it down. I would have absolutely put it down um, if I didn't, find out that there was like a, a no fail mode for, for combat. So yeah. um, yay for that. The combat's pretty unforgiving in the cycle frontier. Um, because I mean, you're obviously you're playing against other people and sometimes there's a really big discrepancy in like gear score. Mm. So like, I haven't really gotten much past like the second level of gear, which is green. And then there's people with like the higher tier, like it goes white, green, blue and then i think purple pink but i might have switched those around and we kept running into people today with like pink and purple gear and it was like one shot gotcha <laughs> and like you lose your kit like whatever you know unless you extract or put something in your safe pocket like it stays on the planet so it's pretty unforgiving it's been fun though nice yeah, I, I took a look at uh, a little bit of it, and it looked really interesting. So, cool. Um, yeah, so so playing old games, playing retro games. Um, and now, I guess I could I could kind of say what we mean by that. Basically, anything that's not a modern system. You know, anything that's not running on current or, or last-gen hardware. Stuff that is a lot harder to get into 
um, if you, you know, don't already have all of the uh, equipment that you, you know, all of the game console stuff and TV and all that you had before. So, you know, anything from, you know, Atari all the way up to like, you know, for some people, the PS3, uh, you know, is is their retro. And that's totally fair. It's been, you know, a decade. Oh, um, it's old. It's older hardware. Um, oh, God. <laughs> I know. I know. And some people absolutely go, no, it has an HDMI no. cable. It's not retro. It is. It's but if point. you you can't walk into a game store and pick up a title for it, it's retro. It is. Um, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so I guess, yeah, the number, the number one way people are playing this is just emulating it on their, on their computers or on their phones, as long as they don't have an iPhone, um, <laughs> uh, you know, on, on their Android phone or, or their computers, and they're just using software emulation, um, uh, which is, you know what, honestly, it's for a lot of people, the best way to do it. Um, if you're just looking to play one game or play a handful of things just to get that nostalgia hit, um like it's pretty with broken hardware potentially yeah. broken hardware or adapter oh. city yep it's and it's you know pretty uh pretty cheap pretty you know pro pro wallet um <laughs> um i think one of the things that i'm very happy about is all the little ways in which emulated games can have been enhanced over the years so like you know, every time a system starts getting emulation, the people working on that emulator have to like work to making it accurate, to making games work. You know that, and then once they get past that point, it's well. Sometimes, oh. I don't know what happened. Oh, <laughs> welcome back. Yeah, should be good. No problem. Cool. Uh, where was I? Uh, back up. Um, oh, yeah. So every time a new game console um, starts to be emulated, right, the emulation developers, they work to make it to get some games running, to make it more accurate. And at a certain point, you know, games work pretty much as you expect. Um, and then sometimes the emulator, emulator guys go even more cycle accurate and they have really hardcore, like, you know, you need a four gigahertz computer to run you know a eight megahertz um system super super accurately um but sometimes they put all that effort into doing things like um the super nintendo's mode 7 um making that high res so that it's not like crushing the the graphics when it when it tilts um when it tilts the the graphic plane um or things like adding achievements like you can use through retroarch um, you can like sign up for an achievement website, uh, which is great for me because I absolutely am an achievement whore. And I, <laughs> I honestly, I have this brain deficiency where if I'm earning achievements, I feel like I played it for real. And then sometimes I have to break it, break my own habits and be like, no, I can just play a game without achievements. Nobody is looking at my achievement list to be like, did he really, yeah. uh, it's a, it's a mental thing. Um, I like watching Ma. other people strive for achievements. I don't care about them myself. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's other things like, you know, smoothing filters and CRT filters, you know, other sort of visual effects that can be put onto the screen. Save states have been a humongously fantastic thing about emulation where you just save the entire state of like the, 
you know, the game running um, in RAM to like a file and you just say, nope, load save state. So a lot of because because a lot of the, you know, fourth gen or older games didn't have actual save games. So you kind of needed save states to save it all. Um, so there's a lot that can be done with, with emulation. And I know, um, I know you've had a little of experience with, um, sort of the classic, like one, one system, like, you know, dolphin or redream or, uh, beast nests, right. Um, or, or what's it, the new one, like RPCS three for, for emulating P- PS3 games like those, I think are kind of the rock solid standard. Um, and then I know you've recently just poked around um, RetroArch, which yes. is kind of a new, it's new ish, like the past five years, maybe decade of having these sort of all in one emulators that just take all the other emulators and treat them as just um, cores. Yeah. On top of their GUI. Um, and I think that there's some benefit to it. I know a lot of um, a lot of projects, a lot of hardware projects use RetroArch as the one interface, um, but they can be a pain to set up for sure. Yeah, well, I don't think setting it up was the worst part because I did. I, I actually ran it through Steam, and the nice part about Steam versus like the web application or downloading it to the computer is it gave you like when you went to go download the core, it like told you what the core was for. Because sometimes it's really obvious in the name, and sometimes it's not. Um, so I was yep. looking for Game Boy Advance and like PlayStation One and Two um, emulators because oh, yeah. I don't yep. I don't have as much interest in playing anything previous to that. I don't think a lot of it's aged well. Uh, any of the things that are like meaningful to me have already been like remastered. Yeah. Oh, I can totally get that. I'm, uh, you know, as much as I have respect for for older titles, I definitely anything older than like fourth generation is pushing it. Like I love Genesis, some, some Genesis games and SNES games, but, um, and like fifth generation is rough early 3d games. Like the Saturn and PS one are rough and they're good. They're fun. They're unique. They don't get remastered a lot, but yeah. Yeah. I can say going further back to like NES and master system and Atari is like really, I'm not it's, having it's too hard. much of a, <laughs> yeah. for sure. I, um, my grandmother found two Ataris in her closet and nobody else wanted them. So I took them and like, I figured out how to, you know, I, I went to Radio Shack when it was still open, bought a couple of adapters and I was able to get it hooked up to my computer and play it. But like, it definitely wasn't worth the effort. Like I didn't have fun <laughs> playing the games. The couple games I thought looked interesting were, did they didn't work. Yeah, um, yeah, because it's not—it's I mean, it's not just graphics that age. It's also gameplay mechanics that, that oh yeah, for sure have aged. Yeah. Now, one thing that it's really difficult to get original hardware for, though some hardcore people and more importantly museums do, uh, is is arcade games. And for that, yes. like you really your one stop shop is Mame. Um, I think Re- Retro Arc can play Mame titles as well, oh. but. Um, like you can add the Mame core to it, but okay. yeah, Mame, you know, multi arcade machine emulator. Um, its biggest thing is that it's a documentation project, like documenting all about all of these arcades boards and 
the art that came with them and that sort of thing. Um, there's a bunch of games that like they're just locked arcades. You know, I I played like there was like a Sonic arcade game that had a rollerball wheel that was really fun that I played. Um, we went to a retro Retro World Expo had one machine set up that was running Mame, and I got to play like a Peter Pan, sorry, Hook the movie um, arcade game. It was wicked fun. Yeah, oh, my wife and I sat there playing the Hook game for a while, and it was super fun. Um, that was really cool. But yeah, this thing, thanks to Mame, that's really preserving that that experience. So for sure, um, I guess. Yeah, that can lead us into some, um, I think the easiest ways to play, you know, if you're not going to do it on your computer, um, and honestly, the computer is maybe not even the easiest way. I don't um, think if you're so. Willing, if you're willing to spend a little money, uh, playing these retro games on modern consoles through some sort of classics um, collection program is usually the easiest way. I know with the PlayStation 3, the PSP, and the Vita, um, they all had access to a digital library of PS1 classics that you could purchase. And they were pretty great, actually. Um, And even the PS3, that PS1 classics emulator, you could pop PS1 discs into your PlayStation 3, and they would run it via the emulator that was built in. So that was really, really good. Um, I I don't know if you ever played around with the the Wii's virtual console, downloading titles through that. I don't think so i don't no i don't think so um oh it was fantastic now i know the 3ds had a virtual console as well right i think so maybe did i have one in front of me or a little (laughs) bit away from me i can go look i think it did they also released like old titles like separately that you could purchase i know they they did it with pokemon blue red Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you're. Yes. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Um, yeah, but I don't. I don't remember if they had a virtual console. I know that the Switch is coming out with, or they've come out with that yeah, already. The, but it has, I guess, a horrible library that's like missing a lot of <laughs> a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the Nintendo Switch Online uh, retro game library is like, I think it's. Uh, now, don't quote me on this. I think some of it comes with just having the subscription, and some of it comes only if you get the sort of expansion pack for the the subscription service. Uh, I think like N64 and Genesis, you have to get the expansion pack, oh, but like N- yeah. NES and SNES come with the, the sub- but it's, it comes with your subscription. Um, I just have the basic subscription, like whatever the cheapest one is. Yep. Yep. Um, I think you might get some like NES titles yeah, uh, you do. Like, as part of the subscription. And, I- and that's also, you know, it's, it's first party emulation, um, and yeah, I, I've heard it, you know, it's just rough to try and license things. And, um, it's kind of a shame because Nintendo's virtual console had like one of the most diverse catalog, uh, catalogs of just games from different publishers. Like there were like every system, like the, the, the NES, NES, Genesis, um, maybe a couple PC engine games, some Game Boy titles were on there like there was a lot on there um with the wii u they they made you like upgrade some of them like a five dollar or two dollar upgrade um something like that but but they had a really good catalog going on there for for a long time and i think nintendo switch online is kind of starting over with the idea that it's like it's part of your subscription like a netflix sort of thing like yeah and i think i think that the playstation plus um sort of higher tiers 
are going to be using the PlayStation Now streaming service to to treat it very similarly. Um, I think it's just piggybacking off of that PS3 um, powered PlayStation 1 Classics uh, technology they used a while ago. So it's an interesting thing. And I I do think that, you know, what you alluded to before with like just re-releasing the games, um, I think that's also one of the way that that might be the best way to play a lot of these games. Like I know um, the Sega Genesis collection, like there's a, there's like a Sega Genesis like repackaging um, that came out a few years ago that, um, the PC version is the best one. It has the most games available, but you buy them separately. Mm. Like, I think the base game is free, but like you buy the ROMs and what it is, it's just this 3d nineties bedroom that like the user interface is a nineties bedroom in 3d. That's cool. And then like you pick your cartridge from the shelf and like it pops it in and then like zooms into the CRT and you're playing it. Um, and oh, like, that's nice. I like that. It's awesome. And you can even like play it in VR. Like you can even like sit there in the nineties bedroom in your VR headset and like play it on the virtual CRT. Um, it's really cool. Cause it like preserves the experience, like not just the games, but like the fact that like the cartridges boxes were like made of plastic and you had to open them up and like what the TV and what the bedroom would have looked like. Like that's great. Uh, I think that's, that's a gold standard there. Um, and you can even, at least on the PC version, you can download through the steam workshop um, mods and hacks to the Genesis games and you can add them like you can like you can select which mod you want to run of any particular game and it's really cool so like you can pick up like Sonic 3D Blast and then you can download the director's cut mod that like the original developer went back and he modded his own game to make it better you can download that on the Steam Workshop and play the director's cut mod oh that's that's awesome it's amazing I think something like that is ideal so i i like the idea of emulation but i am most of the time too lazy to go through all the trouble like i installed uh um uh i just retro arc um yeah and, like played around with it a little bit but like i didn't have any roms on my computer to do anything with it and i can see how like running it on like a ps vita or something would be or even like a tablet i think would be better than the pc um I think it really needs a controller, and I, I oh, yeah. find somewhere. Um, <laughs> it's it's yep. around. Um, I mean, you can get like you, like old USB <clears throat> controllers of like um, you know retro systems, uh, PS2, yeah. PS1. I actually oh, yeah. even found an adapter for like a like a PS2 controller that is just mm-hmm. a USB adapter that you plug into your computer, and then the um, end of the PS2 controller goes into the adapter. Yeah, I have. I was obsessed with getting different um, game pads for a while there. So I have adapters for like the 64 and the Saturn and the Dream. Oh my God. They, they make an adapter for everything. They do. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I think the ideal would be something that's inexpensive and just like easy to use. Because I think a lot of people might get enjoyment out of it, but like you really have to go out of your way for some of this stuff. Um, yeah. So I, and, and so I think these like modern collections, it's just let you use, you know, your 360 pad or, or whatever your, your game console's using. Um, and that just does a really nice job of packaging it and letting you legally buy the games. The ROMs is really nice. I mean, there's other things like the, like there's like a 
Capcom Fighter Collection or the Mega Man Collection. I guess, again, Capcom has been doing a good job of hiring some really good uh, emulation devs to just build, like, historical collections. Because they have, like, a bunch of Mega Man games, but then they also have a bunch of artwork and manuals and, like, dev notes in the history thing. It's a lot like the, the Sonic Mega Collection for the GameCube was, where, like, they had, like, comic book covers and, like music and trailers for things like they they preserve the history as well as the game which is really wonderful yeah i like that yeah um so i guess the the other the other simpler way to do playing retro games would be to pick up like a piece of hardware that's just like a mini console um i know that nintendo came out with the um the nintendo classic or the nintendo mini um and then there were minis the Super Nintendo Mini, which um, they came with like 20 games. And the Super Nintendo one even came out with an officially released Star Fox 2, which was a game that had been canceled for like mm-hmm. 30 years, which was awesome. It was really good value to like, hey, here's a brand new Star Fox, a brand new old Star Fox game. I just think um, the price point on those was way too high. I don't remember what oh, the MSRP yeah. was when they came out, but it I was remember like, looking it, at it and being like, no. Yeah, it was like 80 bucks and 100 bucks. It, it did come with two controllers, and it was kind of a no-brainer plug-and-play. Yeah. So I understand the price point for most people, for sure. Um, I think if it had been like a $50 price point, yeah. it, I think, but also, especially as a Nintendo, you get so many people just buying that stuff up for bootlegging, and not bootlegging, oh, yeah. for reselling. Yeah, yeah. well, the scalping was, was massive was on those. Ba- I mean, it's always bad yeah. with Nintendo. I, they do nothing to prevent it. I never picked up the two Nintendo ones. I mm-hmm. did pick up the Genesis yeah um i did pick up the genesis one and the playstation uh one that they made um the genesis one did drop down to like a more reasonable like 50 on a sale but it went back up because it was it was actually a pretty good deal like it's a pretty good system um they hired m2 which is a company that does really really good software software emulation um contracted work um they did a really amazing job at it, and the PlayStation One dropped down to twenty dollars because it was <laughs> so close yet so far. And a lot of it was some of their biggest, some of the biggest PlayStation hits are things that are owned by third parties that they couldn't get licensed to. Um, some oh, of it was yeah. weird. Some of it was weird decisions, like deciding to include PAL versions for most of the games because the PAL versions have language selection. But it meant that those games ran at 50 hertz, so they run slower. So there's a lot of weird small decisions. Um, but both consoles, actually all of the classic mini consoles, um, are extremely hackable. So it's very easy to plug them into your computer, run some home, some open source tool on your computer, and then dump more ROMs onto it. <laughs> um, so, and I, I did that for a couple games here and there, but... Um, but the sort of the standard, you know, here's a system, it's plug and play, go ahead, have at it. I think it's good for most people, to be honest, especially the, the, the non-gaming public who just has like some nostalgia for playing their old games. Like, I think it's pretty good. Um, and then and then there's like then there's the stuff that came before that's a little bit cheaper. Um, the Retron systems. I, I don't think the Retron systems are really great. Um, I think they ship with bad controllers. Um, they had some controversy because they were 
in violation of like the licenses on the emulators they used. Now they've they've cleaned up, um, but I just never found the like the look and feel of those systems very appealing. I think they're kind of ugly, um, and I think that their emulation has been kind of subpar, which is really sad to see. Um, so like you'd see like the Retron Five or the Retron Three that could play a couple like a Super Nintendo, Nintendo, and Genesis games, right? Um, and then the Five let you play like Game Boy games, and there's a Retron Seventy Six which lets you play Atari games. Um, and Are I just those the ones that let you also because I remember um, at one point there was like a retro system that. I, I don't know if you could run ROMs on it, but you could plug like old games into it and it would run like a couple of different like brand, like brands of games, yeah. whether it was Sega or um, Nintendo. Was that yeah. the same that was, company? That was definitely the Retron systems. Okay. Yeah, yeah those were definitely the those. ones that, th- those were the ones that were everywhere. I think I remember um, those being heinously expensive. Yeah. And they, they just weren't, they didn't live up to the hype too much. Um, there's a new system called the Polymega that's, it's a bit expensive, um, but it's an interesting concept. I think by default, they let you run a bunch of games systems that were like CD based. So like Sega Saturn, PlayStation One, um, Sega CD, um, the Amiga CD. Some, there's another CD system, um, 3DO. Um, and then you can buy like add on modules that pop onto the top of the thing that like have like two Genesis controller ports and a cartridge slot. And that's like the Genesis module where you can get the Super Nintendo module that has two, you know, Super Nintendo controller ports and or four, I guess, uh, and a, a Super Nintendo cartridge slot. Um, and that's an interesting concept. It's really neat. It is definitely pricier. Mm. Um, it's kind of like, you know, what sort of the somewhat interested, but doesn't have a lot of time, but has a lot of cash to burn kind of person <laughs> might that? pick up. I know, I know. Um, it's 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 really interesting. It does look really high quality. It does look like a nice time. It just still doesn't seem for me. Um, and then there's like the one thousand and one different handheld emulation systems that yeah. have been coming out of AliExpress and um, other other Chinese places. Um, and I've heard they're pretty good. Um, it again, depends on which one you get because I think some of those. Yes, just I mean, I, you can kind of. I've heard from, they've been getting better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can kind of tell from the price point as someone who frequents like AliExpress because mm-hmm. it's not like AliExpress isn't like Wish where like everything is crap. Like there's some pretty good stuff. No, on it's AliExpress. like Amazon. Yeah, yeah, it's like Amazon for nerds looking for like weird, kitschy, <laughs> nerdy Japanese stuff. Because um, you can get so. a lot of weird things on there, but like anything oh, yeah. I've bought from there has generally been pretty good quality. Yep. But and I I see there's a thousand and one YouTubers that do reviews of every mm-hmm. iteration of these things, and they seem to have been getting better and better. Um, you know, they're still mostly for people who want to play. You know, up to fourth generation systems. Like, yeah, they can do they 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 can do um, N64 now. They might be able to do Dreamcast. They'll probably struggle with some PlayStation. Yeah, um, I think the majority but, of them are like handheld games. Yeah, they're mostly you know they're mostly plug and play. You want to load this up with you know Super Nintendo and maybe Game Boy ROMs and maybe a couple a couple N sixty four games that happen to work. Um, and they're kind of built. They're usually built like a like a Game Boy Advance, like yes. in. Um, a and lot of they them look- have that Game Boy color shape. Hmm. Yep. The, the sort of vertical bar. Mm-hmm. Yep. So so those are 
those are pretty popular. Because they're usually like a hundred bucks or ish, you know, give or take fifty. Um, <laughs> I've seen. Um, and then, and then there's sort of the the sort of just build it yourself. Um, you know, some people put a PC in the corner and that's fine. Um, and some people will pick up a Raspberry Pi. And there actually, there's a really. I, so I built my friend a, a Super Nintendo Raspberry Pi system. Um, I forget which vendor it was, but there was one vendor who builds a case for your Raspberry Pi that has a couple extra hookups for like a power button and things. Yeah. So like the actual power button, um, it looks like a Super Nintendo and you like have the slider power button and actually that's what turns it on because they've hooked up the electronics for it. Um, and, you know, I, I set up a retro Pi um os set up on there for him which is i think it's based on emulation station which is one of these all-in-one software things um and it works lovely it works great um you know i i had the technical know-how yeah to to throw it all together and that that was fine um it's not for everybody but it's it's cheap and it's like it's a fun project for for like a software nerd it, it's fine. Um, unfortunately, Raspberry Pis are becoming more expensive, um, so I wouldn't recommend one right now. Um, just parts part shortages uh, yeah, say, across the board. Is. Yeah, I've always had an interest in the Raspberry Pis, but I don't know enough about hardware or software to do anything yeah. with them. Yep, I mean they're they're just basically a really tiny computer that's running an ARM chip. Um, that usually you put Linux on. Sometimes you, sometimes people will put Android on. And people have made like a gaming focused version of Linux that just boots automatically oh, okay. in. It like automatically boots into Emulation Station, and you just have to worry about getting the ROMs onto the SD card and maybe a, a little bit of configuration. Mm. Um, so it's not the worst. It's it's pretty simple, but you know it's more than your average person is going to want to have to go through, and that's totally fair. Um, now, the sort of fancier side of things that I wanted to mention definitely is that there are machines that emulate classic systems and they don't do it through software emulation. They do it through um, FPGA chips. So FPGA, it stands for Field Programmable Gate Array. Um, basically, it's a, it's a fancy computer chip that lets you reconfigure how the chip is internally wired with like a firmware file. So what ends up happening is that there's just like a small computer and you say, Hey, I want to play super Nintendo games. And it goes, okay, let me put this FPGA chip over here and I'm going to give it the instructions on how to pretend to be a super Nintendo, like hardware wise. And then I'm going to send it the ROM and it's going to just do the exact electrical thing that, that like a super Nintendo would do. Uh, it's kind of, you know, it's a, that's a rough ex explanation, but it's, it's basically firmware emulation, not software emulation. Mm. And they are far more accurate. Um, and like, they're not perfect because somebody still has to write it. Somebody still has to like translate the schematics of, you know, a Genesis board into, um, some like VHDL definition file for FPGA coding, but um, they can be way more accurate. And it's really interesting to see this in the scene now. And now there's a there's a commercial company called Analog, and you might have heard the Analog Pocket. 
Um, but they've also made a Duo, a Mega SG, a Super MT, right, for um, Turbo Graphics, Genesis, Super Nintendo. Um, the, the Pocket one, obviously, for, for Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance games. Um, they're like the Cadillacs of portable emulator systems. Like, they are... They, they open registrate they like open orderings for like 10 minutes and they're all sold out oh, wow. um uh, it's a it's a pain in the butt and um and they haven't fixed it because it keeps them being like the premium and right right it, it it improves the the look of their brand to be the brand that sells out in 10 minutes all the time um <laughs> but they're gorgeous systems and they they run all these things now there's the open source project called mister um now the mister project is really interesting because everything is all open source so it's also kind of like a documentation project kind of like mame where they're kind of by open sourcing all of these fpga files and documentation that goes along with how to how they've made these things um, they're kind of documenting how they're preserving how the hardware worked in in a way. Um, now the Mister Project, you can build it yourself. It's not the worst thing. There are also kits, but I will say, all of the FPGA emulation systems are expensive. The Analog Pocket might be the cheapest one I've seen. Um, the Mister is going to be a little bit pricier, but like you can emulate like. CPS to uh, the Capcom arcade boards, like you don't, or or you can emulate like an old Apple computer or a Commodore. Like you can emulate much stranger things, not just um, sort of the consumer console okay. stuff. So it's a really cool project. It's really pricey. I have not gotten into it because I do not have <laughs> the time or money. But uh, I think someday I'm going to be very excited to, you know, whenever it comes along. Um, to get into the mister stuff because that's been really really cool so that's the fancy cadillac of of like new hardware running old games <laughs> is these fpga machines um I, I i hate to i couldn't recommend it but i think that it's really cool um <laughs> so that was a lot of playing stuff on new hardware um what i did a lot of when the pandemic started was I got into original hardware because I had some already, but I got into cleaning it up, making things look nicer and really just like making it uh, a good setup. So I went and I have, I have most of the, I have the Sega Saturn, Dreamcast, N64, etc. Like I have a bunch of the, you know, the sort of stuff from when I grew up basically. Um, and what I found was, you definitely want flash carts uh, for all the, the cartridge systems, which I think the only one I have is the N64. Cause again, cartridge systems usually a little bit older than I am nostalgic for, uh, or uh, ODEs or optical drive emulators, which are basically just like flash carts for CD systems. Um, the difference is that instead of plugging in like a fancy cartridge that has an SD card in it into your cartridge slot, you like rip out the old CD drive and replace it with a new piece of electronics that has an SD card slot on it mm. that says, Hey, Dreamcast, I, I'm a CD drive, I swear. And this is the disc I'm showing you. Um, <laughs> so, um, is that how like the DSR4s used to work? Yeah. Yeah. So the DSR4s. Familiar is, with. Yeah. The, those are flashcards, basically. 
those are flashcards with a menu system on them. Um, I have one. So of those. exactly. Yep. And I just picked up one of those uh, for the DS because it had been a while since I explored the DS library. So I wanted to pick one up. I att- I attempted to do something like that for a, a 2DS, um, mm. but I had to return it because it didn't work. So it rattled and it turned on for a few minutes and then the battery would die. Oh, no. So oh, no. I just returned because the DS yep. um, library or store is closing. And I know you can right. mod it to, you know, still have access to those things. And that's what I want to do. Um, yeah. But I don't want to risk my own hardware for it. So I bought a, a cheap 2 Oh, I totally get that. Yeah. That, that, is, that is the alternative to using something like a flashcart uh, is, is like modding your systems. So the original Xbox was really easy to mod. The Wii was really easy to mod, even though my last Wii, I had a lot of trouble with it. Um, I There's think a couple I had systems. A modded Wii. I'm pretty sure the person I bought it from yeah. did mod it. I think a lot of people had a modded Wii. Because um, it was so nice to be able to have like a hard drive attached to the back of your Wii and just play games off of that. Um, and then like, you know, you know, you could swap games with your friends and, and rip their discs. <laughs> yeah. Which I definitely had done at the time as a, you know, a college kid with no money left um, after buying the Wii to get any games for it. You know, um, it was the alternative to what my other friend did, which was just rent a game. Oh, sorry, buy a game from the GameStop and then return it in seven days, aka pr- actually renting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> renting from the purchase store, um, which is ridiculous. Um, so, um, yeah. So, so yeah. It, it definitely really helps to once you have a bunch of ROMs to be able to. Put them on, put them on your systems. Um, and for a lot of older systems, I think one of the things that I was really happy with investing in was a good video scaler. Um, so, like, I know most TVs, and this is slowly not becoming true, but I know a lot of TVs still have AV ports on the back, but um, they are garbage. The ports on the back of most TVs are absolutely just for VHS tapes. Um, they are not good for video game systems. And it's strange because, like, I don't know a lot of people plugging in VHS systems into modern TVs, but I know a lot more people plugging in old game systems into them. Yes. So you'd think that maybe they would either leave it out entirely, which is what they're mostly doing now, um, or they would build in a good scaler. Um but unfortunately, a lot of the stuff that comes with plugging in an old system into a new TV is um, it's bad. So usually what happens is that there's latency, which is like, you know, the, the lag between, you know, yeah. your inputs and the video output. But the problem is it would be fine if the latency was like the same every time. Like it's always two milliseconds off. It's always five milliseconds. Like you can get used to that. But it's always a variable lag. It's always like, ah, oh, it's two milliseconds here and five milliseconds, and you can't get used to that. It's a weird, un, it's a weird mess. Um, the other thing is that um, most new TVs like stick to the letter of the video standards, and like they know how to read a video standard. Uh, like, like, hey, I get this signal in, and I'm gonna look it up in my table of video signals. Yep, it's that one, and then they they can upscale it from there. Um, but the problem is that most video game systems like the Genesis, Super Nintendo, even the PS1, um, they didn't use 
a standard. Like they they used so so 480p would be like a television standard that you'd see. Most consoles spit out something called 240p, which is a hack, which is uh, it, it happened to work on every single CRT, but it wasn't part of the standard. Um, and most of these new TVs look at the 240p signal coming out of these systems, and they go, I think that's 480 interlaced, and it's wrong. And it usually blurs the image and makes it a smudgy mess. And I'm like, what is going on? Um, so what I found was, I think the, the device I recommend most people is the RetroTank 2X, which all it does... It's a, you know, it doesn't introduce any lag. It just doubles the lines of the video input and then converts it to digital. So it takes that 240p signal, turns it into 480. That's doubling the number and then spits it out of HDMI. And then your TV can see that 480 digital signal and go, okay, now I'm going to scale this thing I understand. And your TV will do a much better job of that. Um, I've invested in some uh, a fancier one, which is like the the RetroTank 5x, which like well multiplied by five, so it'll take your your 240p signal and like blow it up to 1200p and tons and tons and tons of options uh, therein. Like there's some filters and stuff. Um, there's a lot of fancy features in that that most people don't need. They just don't need. But um, but it's really cool. Um, so I think the, you know, these these sort of the nicer uh, scalers, like the RetroTank is the one I, I recommend. Um, there's also the OSSC that's getting a little harder to find. I don't think they're building them anymore, really. Um, everything else is kind of crap. Like don't it don't invest in like like these these Hyperkin or all you know, all these these like hey plug it into your N64 and you get you get a HDMI signal and like, usually they're like the bargain bin videos upscaler chips put in these things. Like it's much very reliable. Like, and and unfortunately the, the, these HDMI cables for retro systems are the ones you're going to find in stores. The ones that are kind of junk. It's much better to just get the RetroTank 2X and then just plug all of the retro systems just into that. Like you can get a switcher or something, but like just get that one, you know, uh, red, red, white, and yellow cable to HDMI retro tank, mm-hmm. and ignore the sort of the cheaper. And they're not that much cheaper, especially if you buy like two or three for different systems. Um, it's just not worth it. I had bought one for my Dreamcast a while ago, and I was like, this looks like <sighs> this isn't what I wanted. And <laughs> <laughs> ended up having to buy the right thing later anyway, so. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's the one thing is that, you know, CRTs are really resilient displace. Like they could just take whatever garbage signal you put into it and make it look amazing. And LCDs are really not that flexible. And so a lot of people plugging in old systems into new TVs, um, they're like, I don't, why was I nostalgic for this? This looks like garbage. This plays weird. Uh, and really, it's a, that weird analog conversion that the TV is doing that kind of ruins it for them. And, you know, I'd rather people, like, get a good experience um, just software emulating than, like, have a bad original hardware experience. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um I, I know other... personally I'd rather emulate versus original hardware just because I, I know there's something nostalgic about being able to make the old thing work. 
Yeah. Um, but it can be such a hassle. And, you know, I mean, that hardware is getting older unless you know how to fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you invest the money in any yeah. of that and it breaks, you, you know, you're kind of, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're kind of up a creek. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I went through the hassle of, of modding. So I, I opened up my Dreamcast and I put in uh, an ODE in there and I, I replaced the fan. Uh, and I, I was, I had, I soldered in a new LED and I, I had accidentally pulled up the traces on the board soldering. Cause I'm not, I'm not great soldering. Um, so I had to like, I was like freaking out. I had to wait for a new part. Um, so, you know, I, I, I overextended what my ability were, was there at the time, but um, I will say I do love playing it on original hardware as much as it was a pain in the butt. I don't always recommend it to most people, but um, for some systems, you know, being able to play with the original controllers and I mean, they even make new game pads. I think my favorite thing that came out uh in 2020 what or 2021 was like the retro fighters um what was it called the fighter dc or something they made a dreamcast pad like they made a a brand new third-party dreamcast controller that is amazing it feels like a modern controller has like the the little vmu window the the memory card screen is like a little bit bigger so you can see it better from more angles like they did a wonderful job um I have had a blast with that. Like that, the VMU thing, like you can't, you can't emulate that, which is really sad because um, it's one of my favorite parts of that system. Some systems like, yeah, you can emulate every part of the experience except for like, you know, how it looked and felt and whatever. But, you know, some systems, um, you you kind of need the hardware. Like emulating DSs is like, yeah, right. You want the two screens. Uh, it's not the same if you don't have two screens. So it really depends on the system for sure. Um, so, you know, I, I like original hardware, especially on the weird systems. And I like yeah, weird I systems that. particularly. <laughs> um, so, um, okay. So we, we've got to talk about ROMs. We've got to talk about getting getting these classic games. My nemesis of the day. And we've definitely talked about getting them through, like, collections that let you sort of buy them one-off, but... If you're going to be using a lot of these systems, you're going to need to get a ROM file or an ISO um, for disk systems. Now, finding pirate... Look, piracy, we have to talk about it. It's good for preservation. Like, the number one thing that that is good for museums is when people steal shit from work. Um, The number one thing that's good for preserving history of games is piracy. It really is. Um... And you can experience extraordinarily rare and insanely expensive part uh, part of a console's history. You know, nobody's paying for um, Dot Hack Part Four, or nobody's paying for uh, Panzer Dragoon Saga, the the third art, the third part of the Panzer Dragoon series, which is like a groundbreaking RPG, like on par with Final Fantasy VII. Some people say I haven't played it yet. Um, but it's like the most expensive thing in the universe to buy. And like, so nobody's played it, um, which is crazy, right? So you get to experience these sort of weird one-off and rare things. Um, and l- honestly, in my opinion, it's more real- it's morally okay when the original developers of a game are not making money off of a property, when it's abandoned where, when like the company that owns the rights is like refusing to re-release it for eons, like... There's no, it's, it's totally fine. I think 
that's my opinion. Um, I don't know, you know, <laughs> so, so I have no problem with it. Allegedly. Right. I have no problem with it. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. Right. I, um, <laughs> but I've, you know, it is, I mean, These even if they were making money too, I mean, if the person isn't going to make money off of it, I mean, because even if that person's not going to spend money on that anyway, sure, um, like unless it's like a small developer, like I'll always, um, oh yeah, you know, uh, support them. But if it's like a big company, I don't care. Allegedly. Sure. And look, these are retro games, especially like you're not you're not hurting the like first week or first year sales of of anything. Uh, when you're playing like a, a Super Nintendo game, um, <laughs> no, <laughs> like you're just not like you know maybe Nintendo will get upset that you're not paying for a Nintendo Switch Online and buying a Switch, um, <laughs> right? Well, but Nintendo can stop being so stingy. Sure, and they've been um, pretty litigious and taking down uh, ROM ROM sharing sites yes, over the years. Have. So a lot of big sites that were kind of common go tos have completely disappeared. Uh, which is interesting because that's, I don't know, that, that hurts everyone, I think. But um, I, I also won't say that the people who run all these sites are always above board morally themselves. Oh, no. No, uh, no, no. <laughs> they're, they're trying to make money off of, you know, something they didn't build. But uh, a lot of the times, not all the time. So, but there are ways to get legally, legally to buy ROMs for older systems. Um, I think the first place that I know of about getting some homebrew game, uh, some games is homebrew, right? Um, there's a lot of Game Boy Studio games that have been coming out and Game Boy Studio is a little, uh, development environment for people to just make Game Boy games. And it's super easy. It's like RPG maker levels, but even simpler, even simpler. And there's been some really cool games. Um, now sometimes you'll find like a Game Boy Studio game on itch. And they'll, I mean, almost always you'll be able to play it right there on the web page. Um, and some of them let you download the game. And even if they don't let you download the game, um, like the web, the web version is just a web-based Game Boy emulator that runs a ROM. So you can actually, I, I've actually opened up like the Chrome dev, like the web browser dev tools and like looked at the network traffic and found the, the .gb file that it downloads and then just grabbed it and threw it on like my Game Boy. Um, so you can, you can grab the Game Boy file from any of the Game Boy Studio games. Um, now there's, there's companies that make uh, other homebrew, homebrew games. Um, I know that there's one company that's made a bunch of different homebrew games um, called Mega Cat Studios. And they'll let you just buy a ROM of, of a bunch of their games. Like there was one puzzle game like medusa something that has like an nes a super nintendo and a genesis version and then like usually there's a pc version as well um you know those are really cool um i've bought xeno crisis or xeno ciders or probably both actually i think both are, are games that i've bought for the dreamcast um and you can buy a dip you can with a lot of dreamcast homebrew they know people are using odes and so like they you know i've replaced my cd drive um, so they like, they'll just sell you the, the ISO instead. Um, and usually it's okay. like 10 bucks, 10 bucks cheaper. They're like, look, we know you're going to play it on, on a, you know, uh, you know, a flash cart thing. So here, just buy the ROM from us and it's great. Um, so it's really, really nice. Um, and then there's ripping your own games, which 
for some systems is way easier than other systems. I'm sure the older the game, the easier it is. It really depends. So the easiest system to rip your own games for is the Game Boy Family. Um, so I have a little device called the Epilogue Operator, which lets you um, rip your own games um, and like take take pictures off of a Game Boy camera and like even play the games just plugged in. Hmm. Um, but you can rip your own Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance games. And it's it works wonderfully. Um, there's also the Hyperkin Smart Boy. You've, you might have seen this. It's just like a little Game Boy controller that you slide your phone into and like it launches like the Game Boy emulator, my boy. Oh. Um, so you plug in a real Game Boy cartridge and then on your Android phone, it like launches the emulator for you and played right there. I think the only um, problem is if that Game Boy cartridge works. Well, so, I know you can replace the battery with some kind of. Um, oh sure. So, but... I will say most Game Boy games were fine, and even if the battery dies, usually the battery is just about the save file. And if you're grabbing the ROM, then you're usually playing it on a software emulator, so okay, you don't yeah. like the save files on your sys on your computer, right? Um, now, the, I know the Hyperkin Smart Boy has like this big warning that's like, "This is not this this device is not for piracy," but I will it's say for piracy. It totally because it's not. It totally just dumps the ROM right into a folder where your your Android game emulator can can grab it from. So you can also open up a file app and copy paste it like yeah, away if from that folder. Tells me not to do something, I'm automatically going to do it. Sure, but also like you know, it's not piracy to rip your own game. It, it's only once you share it that it's considered piracy, right? So like ripping your own stuff is totally fine. Um, so yeah, the epilogue operator is probably the the easiest thing. Um, the Hyperkin Smart Boy is just everywhere. Like at every game shop, I see it. Um, and you can just use your Android phone to to rip your own Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games. Um, it's a little clunky because like it takes up half the screen, right? So you, have <laughs> but yeah. um, but it's pretty good. Um, now it's a little bit harder, but you can do it. Is ripping um, CD based uh, games. So, like, the PS1, the Sega CD, and I think maybe even the Saturn. I think you can just put those into a CD drive on your computer and just, like, use an imaging tool, like ImageBurn, to just make an ISO. And I think those will work in emulators just fine. Um, or even you can just, like, point your emulator on your computer to the CD drive and say, run that game, please. And that works really well um, for a few systems, from what I've seen. I could see once, it being a problem once you get into, like, PS2, Xbox yeah, territory, when huge... some things have, like, minimal online play. Yeah, so it works with CDs, but not DVDs, from what I've from oh, what I've noticed. Yeah. yeah, and usually it's there's some encryption on there, there's something going on. Um, I always have an issue with, with DVD-based systems. Um, the other way that most people who get who make ROMs to share with people um, get ROMs. And so a, a way that you can get ROMs yourself is um, if you mod your console, then a lot of modded consoles also have some kind of app that lets you rip games. So like uh, we were talking about the Wii, you can pop on a Wii game and just, you know, rip it to the hard drive. Um I know that's how most of the, the the Sega Dreamcast games got ripped. Is there was some crazy software that like sends this the 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 GD ROM right completely proprietary disk format 
giga discs um, over like the serial port or something. It's crazy. Um, not doing that. <laughs> it's impressive that somebody figured that out. It is. And and it would have been worth it in like 2000. Uh, but um, yeah, I'm not doing that. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I own, I, you know, I, I own the games. I put them on. I'll, I'll, I'll go get a copy somewhere of the games I own. Um, I I'm, not, I'm not this, ripping it myself. Yeah, I think for a lot <laughs> of this, uh, people have already done the hard work of sure of figuring all that out. So now it's just a matter of people figuring out what the best way for them to access those things are. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah. So so and then there's some options that like are worth noting, but are completely like a no go. Right. Um, there's a there was a piece of hardware called the Retro Two. It was like the Epilog operator, right? You would plug it into your computer over USB, and you could plug like any cartridge type, like a Super Nintendo, an N64, like a whole bunch of different cartridges. And why is the Retro Two a no go? Because they stopped making them. Because a lot of this hardware is very niche, and they get like a production run or two, and then they disappear forever. So they don't make retro twos. If you find one, you're going to have to pay some crazy price for it. Mm. Um, the next one that's promising, there's the RetroArch open hardware project where, look, the, the guys who make RetroArch are like, look, we understand that, you know, software emulation has had its stay in court and won. It is totally legal to emulate. But what the heck is an emulation developer going to tell you to run on that emulator? Other than maybe some homebrew, right? They understand that they're in a weird spot legally. So if they could come up with some pieces of hardware that could, you could plug it into USB and you could plug in your N64 card and they would just say, hey, RetroArch, go play that cartridge that's plugged into the, the device that I bought from you. Um, they, would, they would sleep much easier. And that's a really cool idea and initiative. And it was a blog post like three years ago. Um, so I'd love to hear more from it, but it's completely uh, just missing in action so that's interesting um and then there's a new project called uh, the sani cart reader which is like you know you grab an arduino and you grab some other hardware board and i think you may even have to like go get um a circuit board printed somewhere and then i mean it is it's an open source project that's pretty you know it's rough it's what's nice is that the i you know being completely open, I think anybody could probably make a batch of these and then sell them. But right now, I don't see anyone making batches of these pre-made for you to buy. Mm. But it leaves it there. Like I've seen some reviewers reviewing the device. And what's wonderful is it has all the cartridge ports. You plug it in and there's a button on it. And then like there's a little like user like LCD interface on it. So you rip the cartridges to an SD card all in the device like you don't have to plug it into a computer you just it's just a ripping device and you just pop your sd card out and how you have your rum file now nice. that's a really cool idea it's just you have to build it yourself with a lot of effort and i'm not willing to put that effort in right now um but i would buy one if somebody made a bunch of kits you know so that one is also unsatisfying because it's just not uh, like a product that's right there. But it's not going to disappear into the ether like the Retro 2. So, you know, I'm a little more hopeful that someone's going to make a, a few batches of these to sell, like a Kickstarter or something, right? So whole bunch of ROMs. You've gotten your ROMs somehow. 
Um, and you can play them on your original hardware with flashcards or ODEs, or you can play them on your computer, your phone, your mini consoles, your Raspberry Pis. Awesome. The last thing I wanted to mention was one of the best parts of the retro scene is mods. It's hacks. Is English translations for old titles. I mean, it's all the same thing, right? You get a patch file, and it makes a it makes a ROM file do something new. Um, I think my favorites have been, um, you know, the community translated Mother Three into English. the The Game Boy Advance Japanese only game, Mother Three, has an English port and has had it for like a decade or two, um, thanks to a, like a fantastic community. Yes. Um, did they the, just the, announce a remake of or a remaster of that for Switch? Nope. No. <laughs> I don't think no, I think that they're they, I think what they announced was that they are bringing um Earthbound and Earthbound Origins which they had already previously ported to the Wii U, so that's Mother 1 and 2. Um, um to the Switch. But the third game which was a Game Boy Advance game um it, it, it's never been translated and nobody quite knows why there's a lot of guesses. Like there's some content in there that people guess that maybe like Nintendo doesn't want to deal with. Um, but you know, they've never had any, anything official to say about it. Um, uh, which is really sad. So maybe one day we'll see an official mother three, you know, earthbound next or something or advance. Actually, that would be the best name, Earthbound Advance, right? Because it was a GBA game. Yeah. Um, but no go. The right now you you have to get the uh, community patched English um, GBA game. You I know? do know that uh, it is one of like the best like fan translated games. I haven't played it, but I remember um, it being like I have friends who are like diehard followers of the i've never played any of those um yeah because they're not exactly like available um but i remember like it being a big thing yeah when it was translated um, when so the other the other rom that i want to definitely make sure to call out is that uh when i got my n64 i was looking around for for roms like rom hacks um to try out and i think the best one i found was called is uh smash remix so it takes the original Smash Brothers and adds in a bunch of features and characters from like the later games and like oodles and oodles of of new levels from the from the later games and even a couple of originals. Um and it really I have rose-tinted glasses when I think of Smash Brothers and when I pick up the actual original N64 Smash Brothers I can't tell you how much I'm like, oh no, that was in melee. Oh no, that was in melee. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> melee improved it so much that it's really hard to go back to the original. Like, that was the biggest jump in the series. Like, I don't think any other, like, you know, melee to brawl or to four or to ultimate. You know, more more characters, sure, but like, um, smoother. I, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Smash Remix like made. N64 Smash Brothers, like way more fun. And I had a bunch of tournaments and it was really fun. Um, uh, and then the other thing is, um, so the Dreamcast like gets a new homebrew game like every year, which is absolutely crazy. Um, the, the, the homebrew scene for that um, has been amazing. So like every year we get a new Dreamcast game 
And uh, a couple years ago, they the community found that they, there was a arcade platform called uh, Atomus Wave. And there was like six or seven games made for this Atomus Wave arcade platform. And they're like, hey, it's basically just a Dreamcast, but with like a, a flash, like a, like a hard drive reader instead of a CD drive reader. And they were able to make it so that um, they, were able, they, they were able to port all these games to the, to the Dreamcast. Like they just got seven brand new games from like 2003 to 2006. Like, like the, the four years after the Dreamcast was dead, there was brand new arcade games built basically off of a Dreamcast <laughs> in the arcades. So there's a bunch of really cool games that they just ported. They just they just hacked an arcade system's games to work on the home console that they were based on. That's awesome. And it's amazing. Um, so just the stuff that you can do with all these ROM hacks and, you know, there's just new English translations coming out all the time. And it's really cool. Um, whether you're you're emulating it or putting it on on sort of uh, old hardware, like it's it's just neat stuff. It's just really cool. And I'm really happy with that whole retro scene for just finding like, Oh, there's been a whole bunch of like game betas. Like, like uh, the classic one is like half-life one was going to get a dreamcast uh, port. <laughs> and, and like, they totally found it. They totally found it and just released it to everyone in the community. Um, there was going to be like a, there was going to be like a star Wars game on the Sega Saturn. Um, and they found like an old beta, like an alpha build of it and like, just put it out there. So I get to throw that on my Saturn and play around with it. Like, it's so there's a whole bunch of like cool weird history that gets that you get to play around with yourself instead of just reading about no. and it's so I, yeah so i like that anyway um so yeah i think i've uh rom dumped everything from my brain uh no that was <laughs> about... a lot of really good information i if anyone listening will probably guess i don't know a ton about like i, I probably know more than like your casual gamer like you know walking into a game store um but, like, I don't know much about any of this. You know, obviously, like, I had a um, uh, the idea to mod my DS and, you know, an a R4. But that was kind of the... Ex- oh, and a, a GBA emulator at one point. But that's kind of the extent of it. Um, and I'm not... Like, I don't have any much interest in playing a ton of old games. The dream cast one does sound like that whole community sounds really interesting um <laughs> like that's really cool that like people are still act i mean like and i know that particular system has like a cult following um it's a very loved system um <laughs> no it was a lot of good information i think i'll definitely check some of these things out um and see because there's a lot of like ps1 and 2 games that are just impossible to find that I would like yeah. to play, or they just cost an arm and a leg, and I just, you know. Sure, and you know, it's funny because, uh, you know, I applaud companies like Microsoft in making backward compatibility initiatives like they have. Um, they they got original Xbox games working on like brand new ninth gen systems, right? Mm-hmm. And it's wonderful, but like even they hit their limits because they they weren't just saying, hey pop in a disc and we'll make any game work. No, they like, we're going to relicense it and we're going to put it on the store so you can buy it digitally or you can put your disc in. And that's made things really difficult. They hit their limit with what they can find and license. (laughs) They tried. So they really tried. They really did. And I got, I got to applaud them for it. But like, look, I, I, 
you know, uh, it's still the fact is, you know, I can't play Jet Set Radio on the Xbox One I have in the other room, but I can go and load up my Steam Deck and play Jet Set Radio Future on that with the CX Box emulator. Yeah. And it works beautifully. Uh, and it's like literally the only game I've ever used an Xbox emulator for because everything else was backwards compatible, right? But I got to preserve that this game exists and still be able to play it without holding on to an original Xbox because those are massive and it was just taking up way too much storage so <laughs> space. Oh my gosh. It was taking up way alone. too much room for, for just one game. I had a whole system for one game and it was the biggest damn system that has ever been made. <laughs> um so, you know, it, emulation saved me a lot of space in the house. Um, <laughs> I can you know, and I still have I, really. Oh, sorry. Oh, I, that's right. I was just going to say, I, I still have the, I still have a copy of the game on the disc. Like I still, I bought the game legally. I just can't play it anywhere, uh, <laughs> you know, without emulating. So anyway. <laughs> I could see the Steam Deck opening because I mean, RetroArch is on Steam, so I could see that being really good for especially like handheld emulation oh sure um, yeah i, mean, play, I guess plays... it would be good for anything but you know because for mm -hmm. handheld emulators like you were saying you really want that like ex handheld experience so i i think when and if i get that steam deck i'll probably play around with it yeah it plays uh switch pretty well i mean uh game boy advance pretty well <laughs> i'm sure yeah so yeah awesome um all right, I think we should probably wrap it up soon. We've uh, hit our. Oh, I mean, I'm just exhausted from from that that <laughs> yeah. that info dump. I'm gonna be honest. It's it's something I got really into, and I'm I'm very happy with. Um... I think it's a really important part, or just a really interesting part too of gaming. You know, because obviously we wouldn't be where we are today in gaming without all of those things. And I think it's great that people are keeping the old games yeah. alive. I and I, I think I think a two pronged approach to this sort of preservation is really important. Like I, I love I love that companies like Sega are are have these collections that let you buy things nice and legally. And I love that the community is preserving stuff that gets lost in license hell or abandoned and nobody knows who has the rights to it. Like I think you need both. I you know, I really do. And so it's it's been wonderful. Um Yeah. So um I don't know. What do you what do you think you'll be playing from now until the next episode? <laughs> Probably more of the cycle frontier. It just the beta just got extended to sometime at the end of this month. So I'll probably I think I want to say it's April 25th, but I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, so I'll probably continue to play around with that because it's I've been having fun with it, playing with friends and stuff. Um, it is very unforgiving and it's pretty difficult, but it has, I've, I've watched other people play it too. Um, and I like the feel of the game. It looks really cool. I like the way it looks better than Escape from Tarkov. It's a little more cartoony kind of, um, like Tarkov has like a real, like end of the world, like, um, realistic feel and yeah. the cycle uh, frontier is more of a like um like an alien planet like it's a little more like it's still definitely like end of the world but it's just a little more colorful so i, I like it nice well, i guess um well uh speaking of retro games that have gotten english port uh ports uh there's a 
there's a Sega Saturn visual novel that just recently got a um, an English patch uh, called Yumi Mix Remix. Um, I'm not usually one for too many visual novels, but it looks super adorable. So I'm going to try and check it out. Yeah, um, I've definitely had some wonderful visual novel experiences. Um, this definitely looks like uh, like a 90s anime, like straight up. It looks really cartoony and really silly. So I think I'm going to try and check it out on the uh, the old Saturn in the other room. And then um, I guess in between that, uh, my wife and I just started playing It Takes Two. So that will, that's been a really cool um, co-op experience. Um, we are... are the last game we did a bunch of co-op with was Sackboy's Big Adventure, uh, which we still have a couple levels left on, and that that's just wonderful because all the little big, big planets are wonderful. But it um, it played more like played more like Tearaway mm-hmm. than Little Big Planet, which was great in in, in uh, you know great for us. Um, so it takes two as the next on our co-op game uh, journey nice. to play through. So yeah, awesome. Well, uh, listeners, I hope it wasn't too intense for you uh (laughs) and i hope you found a lot of things to dig into and uh to look up later to play yeah um i think like i said it was a lot of good information i know i have a lot to kind of (laughs) to look into so i hope our listeners find something that they're interested in and maybe you know start playing some older games too All right. Well, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate you listening. Um, Until next time, have a good one. Bye.